Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here along with Robert Glasscock, and we have a special guest in this episode that we're going to introduce you to, Kim McGrath. Kim is one of Robert's practicum students, a listener to this podcast, and has been doing astrology since the 1980s, Kim, is that right? Well, 70s. 70s, even go back a little further. Well, this is, Mm -hmm. so you see the breadth of knowledge. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. The reason Kim is with us today is that she works in the mortgage industry. Houses is what we're talking about, which is obviously a spotlight topic these days. And she has correlated astrology to the cycles that produce the ebbs and flows, the peaks and troughs in the housing industry. And particularly, we wanted to parlay, or we're going to use as our springboard for this, the aspects that we just had completed here in 2022, the fourth time that Saturn and Uranus squared each other, Saturn being in Aquarius, Uranus in Taurus, and from 2020, three direct squares And one time here, just in October of 2022, they were the same degree. They didn't reach the same minute, but they definitely shoulder bumped. And with this, we wanted to go back and see where this aspect has showed up. We're going to kind of tromp back all the way to the Great Depression in the 1930s, take a quick run forward, and then where Kim's career has picked up, We're going to talk about what's going on and bring it all the way forward to today as we follow these very significant astrological cycles that affect all of us. So, Kim, are you game? I am game. I'm ready. Robert, this is a little bit different, so are you ready? I love different. All right. Go, team, go. Let's roll all the way back nearly 100 years On October 28th, 1929, you all are very familiar with it, the stock market crashed, and it crashed hard, and that began the Great Depression, which lasted in its entirety. It had some ebbs and flows, but it lasted approximately 10 years. During that period, there were four Saturn-Uranus squares in 1930 and 31. Kim, you made an interesting observation the nodes of the moon were in the same sign they are today. That's correct. And that is really what I look at when I'm looking at a theme for for a time period, for a specific 18-month period financially or otherwise. What are the nodes of the moon? What signs are they in? Because it really tells what the flavor of that time period will be. And when I saw the nodes were moving into Taurus and Scorpio, my radar went off and took me right back to the Great Depression. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're going to be in trouble during this cycle. Just with that alone. And, you know, let's talk about the trouble that happened then, because we sometimes forget the extent of this. I pulled some notes on it. So listen to this. The Great Depression, like we said, about a 10-year period overall from 1929 all the way to 1939. And ironically, and you guys know this, it was World War II that really pulled us out of the Great Depression. And that's also significant. FDR's New Deal 
began in 1933. The first New Deal was basically a two-year kind of stretch of first implementation, 1933 and 1934. Then there was a second wave on the backside of that time period for the 1935 to 1939 period. But this is when all the New Deal legislations were passed. What were they? Well, banking reform, monetary reform, the Securities Act of 1933 was a huge piece of this. Ironically, they repealed prohibition back in those days as an economic reform. The public works program, there were rural and farm programs, one that you're very familiar with, Social Security Act of 1935 was implemented during this time. There were tax policies revised and, Kim, also Housing Act of 1937. In other words, purely massive restructuring over that 10-year period, all as a result of Saturn and Uranus and the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio. Well, I can't wait to get into to Kim's more detailed background on all of this, but I love Thomas just said it. Massive restructuring. Saturn is structure. It's all of our structures. It's our organization. It's our skeleton and the body and so on. And Uranus, when they're in square, they're both collective planets. Uranus is entirely a collective planet. Saturn is partly, you know, it's the last of the the inner planets, really. It's the sort of gateway to the outer planets, if you will. And so the cultural, it's a total revamping of the organization not only in the United States, but around the world, and but certainly here with those programs that you mentioned. And there are so many other areas that are under the spotlight right now. We just don't have the perspective of the 10 years to look back and see what our list is going to be. But I think we could all agree, Kim, you too, there's going to be a list. We just don't know what it is yet. Most definitely. And I've been seeing some huge changes since 2015 in my industry alone, and they are radical changes, which I'm loving, but the people that I work for are not loving because it is gearing towards more um, control in the financial industry so that we don't continue to have these diabolical huge issues. Um, you know, of course, I believe we'll always have those ebbs and flows, but not to the mass proportions that I've seen over time. Uh, what Kim's just saying is fascinating to me because uh, we now have in place Citizens United, for example, which is basically an open invitation. It is an invitation to corporations and money, dark and light, contribute as much as you want. You will be anonymous. So it's an invitation to people to spend. We've spent how many? Over a billion dollars on just these midterms. So elections have become big business in this country. And the Citizens United ruling basically gives permission to the people with the most money to influence the most elections. yeah. So to me, uh, as long as that remains in place, Citizens United, we're in trouble. 
Maybe that will be one of the reforms, you know? Maybe that will be one of the reforms. Well, this is it, and that's exactly what what Kim was mentioning. I think that Saturn Uranus square, it's it's a clash between the conservative and progressive elements in collective societies and the structures, and it indicates radical changes in structures, which, believe me, all these public work programs, the Social Security Act, just like Medicare, are progressive. They're so-called Uranian. So. Continue with what you're doing here with Cam because these are excellent. Let me hip. Let me step over two more stones here, and then we'll get to where Kim's story begins. One of the stones is in the 1950s, so there were three more of these Saturn Uranus squaring off in the early 50s, and that resulted in a recession. It wasn't a huge recession, but we did have one. There was definitely a correlation. Then we go another 20 years, and this is a 20-year cycle, to the 1970s. And this was a really big ripple effect. There were five times in the decade of the 70s that Saturn and Uranus squared. This was because, obviously, of the retrogrades. But they happened in 1975, 76, and extended into 1977. What did we have in the 1970s? We had an oil embargo in the early part of the decade. We had rolling recessions, really, from 1969 all the way to 1982. And we had the big thing that everybody's been talking about today, the end of the 70s into the 1980s. We had that big, huge spike in inflation. And that really is where Kim's story begins because you entered the housing market in the early 80s. I did, uh, 1982, November of 1982. So this is my 40th year anniversary in this industry. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. So with that recession then, and then of course what happened in the 1980s and into the mid-80s was the SNL crisis. Now that wasn't directly tied to one of these aspects between Saturn and Uranus, But that, I guess, was one of the areas where you kind of got the first wake-up call of, "Uh uh-oh, this thing is going to be bouncy, like up and down, and probably thinking, am I safe here? Can I build a career on this? True. Um, It was probably the first time that I panicked because things were falling apart in the savings and loan. I worked for a savings and loan. That was my first job in this industry in the residential mortgage division wow i didn't even know what a mortgage was i was so young i had to look it up in the dictionary when i heard they were placing me there and yeah i didn't know what i would do but they took good care of me during that time because companies were different they cared about their people They prided themselves, and so did the workers, on longevity and loyalty, and you don't see that anymore. Just to frame up and remind ourselves of what that was like back then, mortgage interest rates to go in and buy a home, what were they back then, Kim? When I started in the industry, they were 18 and three quarters of a percent, 18.75. Wow. Within the first six months, however, they dropped to 12 and three quarters. And there was a mad dash for everyone in the United States to refinance their mortgages. Goodness. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. We think that we're so high now and 
just remember that back then you could even you could buy a 30-year U.S. bond and it would pay you nearly 20 percent for the highest security investment you could make. It was just an incredible period. How did you start to weave astrology into all of this and start looking for these cycles? Well, when we hit the early 90s, we were still pulling out of what happened in the late 80s and the collapse in the industry that I was working in. Um, It actually left me in a pretty bad situation financially because I was so young. So I really didn't have myself set up the way a proper adult would. And I couldn't find a job. I couldn't, you know, I'd work here and there. I would do piecework in the industry, but that was about all I could get. And I had to take jobs in in other industries to keep myself afloat. And I thought, well, what is going on here? Because it was pretty much the second time in my very short career at that point that this had happened. And I thought, well, is this going to continue to happen? Now, in the early 90s, I, I had my degree in finance at that point, And I had to really start rethinking some things. I started to look in an ephemeris because we didn't have online. Uh, so I had an actual Bible, the ephemeris, the big book. And I just started to you know, look at the aspects, look at the ingresses, what was happening, how were the planets lined up at that moment. And then I clawed back through the book, back into history to see, well, when did this happen before? Being a Gemini, my mind is open to just absorbing information and the desire to learn and figure things out, put them together, make a pattern, plus also having a degree in finance, I look for patterns in mathematics, so to speak. And did you notice a particular year pattern between these peaks and troughs? What came up from that study? So what came up from that study, definitely the 20-year trend, but then you have those micro trends, the cycles, the nine-year cycle of the nodes of the moon, different planets ingressing into Earth signs, which to me correlates to money and finance. And then I started to put together the actual aspects. That's when I saw the Saturn and Uranus squares. I keep it very simple when I'm looking at these things. And I'm really just looking at a pattern of planets in certain signs. Where is the dominance? And it always seemed to be that there was a dominance in Earth signs to start off with whether it be the nodes, Pluto, Saturn, Uranus, whatever planet it is, it always seemed to tip me off. The other pattern that I noticed is that Mercury in Capricorn came up a lot and Venus, and they were both going retrograde at some point. Um, The other pattern, which we're seeing right now, we haven't seen it fully play out, Mars in Gemini, and then it retrogrades. That shows up a lot when you just study an ephemeris and you go through the years. Um, So we're seeing a lot of that right now. 
this year, this time frame over the last few years has really been on my radar for that reason. Robert, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but let me throw in one more of these time periods that kind of threads us to the connection to today. And that is the three times that this happened in 1999 and 2000. There's your 20-year marker, Kim, because that brings us forward right to today. Now, a lot of you might think 2000, hmm, that sounds familiar, 9-11, 2001, obviously. But back up, and we're not talking about the stock market here, but in April of 2000, on one day, it was April 14th, the NASDAQ dropped 9%. And then by October, two years later in 2002, get this number. The tech stock index had lost 78% of its value. That was the big tech crash from the obvious tech boom in the late 90s. I remember it very clearly. I was trading back in those days. And it was 10 years before it returned to where it was. And that was the last 20-year Saturn-Uranus square cycle. Ironically, Saturn back then was flipped from where it is now. Saturn was in Taurus and Uranus was in Aquarius. So, Robert, we've kind of explored a lot of the background of this. Kim mentioned some very interesting things, not only the nodal axis, but also these yearly cycles, 29, etc., also, the, I like the idea that she's saying the action when it happens in the earth signs correlating to money. What are your, some of your thoughts on this? Well, I was particularly struck by her mention of Gemini as well. And now, of course, we've got transiting Mars in Gemini about to retrograde and go back through Gemini and then turn direct at eight degrees Gemini and go back through all of Gemini until it finally enters Cancer next uh, spring. So I'm curious. I'm really curious to the, to get Kim's take on this transit's long transit of Mars. Instead of spending the usual six weeks in a sign, it's spending seven months in Gemini. So there has to be a focus on whatever the symbolism of Gemini is in terms of Kim's studies. So I'd be curious to know a bit more about her feelings about that against this background of Saturn and Uranus squares. How that Gemini seems to be, and then she also mentioned Mercury retrograde being significant in these turning points. So I would be curious to know what her thoughts are now about this transiting uh, Mars in Gemini. Well, it has me a little nervous uh, because I have seen Mars in Gemini retrograde when we've had crashes before. Now, does it affect me because I have a stellium in the second house in Gemini? That's my second house. That's money. So maybe that's where I see the effect. But when I claw back through history, it has a global effect, actually. When we have Mars in Gemini, we're looking at two different things at least. And then Mars automatically makes me think of we have two things that could go in a volatile direction. What is Mars in Gemini aspecting and how is it aspecting? Because that's where we're pointing to, to those two different places, at least. I would be curious to see how this is going to play out, but I already see it playing out in my own industry 
because 90% of the people that I have business relations with have lost their jobs since March of 2022. They are unemployed. You don't hear about this in the news, but I know because I've collected a lot of colleagues over my 40 years. I'm lucky enough that I'm still employed, though. I was curious, too, Kim, when you're talking about, for example, your chart, uh, Mars and Gemini, transiting Mars and Gemini happens to be your, sounds like your second house of money. Yes. All right. So then I'm I'm thinking in, for example, the United States chart, transiting Mars and Gemini related to the United States economy. And let me just inject in here that we will have a downloadable link to the United States Sibley chart so you can follow along what Robert and Kim are talking about here for yourself. Check the show notes for that download link. That picture is a twofold one. It's the second house of money and income and economy in the United States chart. That's the second house there. Well, that's ruled by actually Capricorn because we have Sag Rising. And the eighth house in the United States chart is collective money. In other words, other people's money. So the entire mortgage industry and banking industries and so on. The, so those two houses play a role. Well, transiting Mars right now is in a 12th house relationship to our United States 8th house. The 12th house is secret sorrow, self-undoing, you'll read about in the cookbooks. So Mars, in relationship to the economy in the United States, is in a sixth house relationship to our second house. So that means the health of our economy, just straight cookbook, as well as 12th house in terms of our collective economy, the whole banking and international monetary dealings, all that 8th house stuff. And that's where this action is, is behind the scenes, 12th house. This, no wonder everybody is panicked, because as it is transiting Gemini, Mars also squares Neptune in Virgo at the top of the chart, which generally does indicate chicanery, if you will, deception, fraud, anonymous dealers. Here we come back to Citizens United and so on. So I'm curious as to to Kim's take on, on that kind of house-oriented approach to this transit of of Mars and Gemini, because Mars is action. And Kim has noticed this activity in the sign of Gemini being relevant to the economic ups and downs in the country, and I agree. Let me just mention one more time, because we've had people ask about this. The link to the chart is in the show notes. If you'll go find it there, then you can download it, and then you can see, because it's really important to follow that as Robert is describing these things. Kim? So my take on this, because I work in a sector of finance where I see some very dark sides to it because I am in compliance and quality control. So I'm looking at finance from a different angle. I'm trying to find fraud in my industry and I see it every single day. Um, this is a huge highlight on fraud and criminal dealings and greed. And because the markets are shifting, those people are getting very creative on how they're going to make their money because the pool is very, very shallow right now. 
And I've had to say more than once over the last two weeks, you cannot legally do that. You cannot do that. And they are doing it. And I just have to remind myself, I have to detach myself sometimes from these situations in order to stay employed. So that's what I'm seeing here of what's going on. But knowing what's coming down the pike in federal laws, new federal regulations that began fourth quarter of 2022, that is all going to be reined in. And those powers that be in the banking industry and the housing finance industry are not going to be happy. I don't know how it's going to play out, but there is a huge need for reform in this sector of the economy and of finance. Kim, because elements, for example, like Bitcoin and crypto have emerged. And for example, we just saw Elon Musk buy Twitter for $44 billion. So there are aspects here of the internet and social media that I think are affecting the economies worldwide as well. People have made a fortune in Bitcoin, which of course has also dropped recently. So I'm curious about your take on the role of Bitcoin or of, of cryptocurrency in the economy, because everything you just mentioned corresponds to that transit of Mars and Gemini in the United States chart. It's a Mars return. We had Mars and Gemini at birth in the United States. Square Neptune of fraud, of crypto. There's no better word for Neptune than crypto. Right. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that element of the economy, which is, of course, all worldwide and all conducted on the Internet. Yeah. So what's very interesting about that is, you know, we've seen it coming as astrologers, Saturn in Aquarius. Um, But the old heads in the banking industry, in the financial world, they do not understand cryptocurrency. They don't understand NFTs. So it's almost as if I see a changing of the guard, uh, you know, the bankers behind the desks handing out the money and the loans because it's going by way of electronic transactions. We won't need those bankers behind the desks because everything is going to be virtual. That's the way I see it. Um, But there just aren't enough people that truly understand electronic funds, uh, the cryptocurrency or NFTs. And there really isn't a whole lot of education out there for established people that have been in this industry to be educated on how to utilize this or what direction is it going in and how can we enhance our businesses by opening up to that because bankers are very against using any kind of cryptocurrency in their transactions and i think it's mainly because of two different things two different things mars and gemini um they don't understand it and it is a volatile asset where it goes up and down. So how do you really put a value on that when you're trying to count assets? 
The other factor that occurs to me, Kim, that I've been reading about recently a lot, for example, uh, to disguise these massive transfers of money, the money people can go through, and I've been reading over 1,000 different layers to pass money around so that it's basically untraceable to the original source. That's the attempt. And of course, this is fraud. But because the Internet is involved and it is on such a massive scale, if I want to give you a billion dollars that I've earned under the table, I can transfer that money through various encrypted layers, up to a thousand of them, and form shell corporations and offshore corporations and on and on and on, so that when you get the money, it appears to come from Catholic charities, for example, which it never had any connection with. So this is the world of crypto. Fortunes can be made, they can be lost. Are they illusory? Are they real? Do they translate into tangible earth sign matter and uh, or not are they just in the ether forever and just on paper and people have, have lost billions in the in the crypto and nft business too <laughs> this is a fascinating area you made a really good point is it an earth-based thing or is it in the ether and my eye goes right to the united states pluto return grinding down its last final degrees getting ready to move into Aquarius. So we're shifting from that Earth base to a more ethereal air based. That's the way I'm seeing it anyway. And so maybe my theories on what I've been looking at in the astrology over the last 40 years to determine how the economy is going to go, maybe I'm going to have to look at things a little bit differently. Because we're shifting out of that earth base into the air base. And frankly, when the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, when that moved into Aquarius, uh, that much-anticipated conjunction, we shifted out of hundreds of years of earth-based transits and aspects into that air element. And we also saw it with the Venus star point most recently, a few weeks ago. For the first time, Venus star point moving into an air-based sign, Libra. So the theme is completely changing. We're coming in to a brand new era. And only time will tell if my techniques are tried and true. Or maybe I have to put my eyes somewhere else because everything is shifting. Everything is shifting. The whole Aquarius air sign motif that you just mentioned is colossal. We're, we're having the first Pluto return in the nation's history right now with Pluto of extremes in our second house of money in the United States chart, the economy. But this is the last one. As it moves forward, it goes into Aquarius. And when you said an air sign, I'd love this contrast between the air sign focus now of where it's been on the earth signs previously. 
Aquarius as an air sign, Aquarius rules the internet, satellite communications, all of that. So money, and when you became non-fungible tokens, for example, <clears throat> where's the money? Well, it's there, but it's in a, an illusory air sign object. You see what I mean? So our whole philosophical orientation toward money, not just as a nation, but as a globe, is changing, I think, very fundamentally because of this ingress of Pluto going into uh, Aquarius, which it enters for the first time since the 18th century on March 23rd of next year, 2023. And it'll be in Aquarius, Pluto will be, from March 23rd, 23 goes into um, basically it, it finally leaves aquarius march 8th of 2043 and then it begins to kind of go in back and forth across aquarius and pisces so really from next year 23 through 2043 20 years this transition of the world economy is taking place to my way of thinking and it is Aquarian, so it is radically different. I'd like to jump in here with a question for Kim. From your compliance side, put your compliance hat back on. And we even have a program that you can search up the website, FedNow 2023. The Federal Reserve that controls the money for the United States has a plan to roll out a digital currency next year if they stay on track with this. You were just talking about bankers resisting any kind of crypto, digital, blockchain, all of that. How do you see this inevitable shift taking place? This is mammoth. So a couple of things. The feds, they want to control and regulate the cryptocurrency, you know, the electronics. Um, and they're, they can't even figure out how they're going to do it fully. But they want that control because they want to be able to, you know, tax that money. They want to get their hands in it. But that was the purpose of crypto, one of the purposes of it being created. And, you know, and we've seen how also, too, the federal government now wants to dip into all the different electronic payment platforms. So, you know, I'll take Venmo, for example. I mean, I know PayPal, I report all my earnings that come in through PayPal, but now Venmo or Cash App, it's a way to transfer money between people effortlessly. Like I don't have to go to an ATM and get cash money. I can just go right into my phone. Like yesterday, I sent my daughter $46. It was the difference of something she owed me and I owed her. Well, the government wants to tax all of that. And it's not income. This is money that I have in my bank account and I'm giving my friend $20. Um, so that's huge. And I would think that people, I mean, I know people are in an uproar over that. So the main thing is when you say, how do you see this? happening they can't even figure out how to control because they want the control the feds but i think that's the pluto and capricorn as well they want that control of these electronic funds and 
they don't even understand it fully. I am loving what you're saying because I'm struck by the fact that when Pluto finally does enter Aquarius next year, it will, for the next 20 years, be in conjuncting all of the cancer stelium in the United Mm. States chart in our seventh and eighth house. It'll be in conjunct Venus money in cancer, real estate security Mm -hmm. is basic. It'll be in conjuncting Jupiter, among other things, the banking industry. It'll be in conjunct the sun, the life force in the United States chart. A complete restructuring. You see, so, but the idea of exactly what you're talking about, these Venmo go sending money back and forth, that's not taxable income. And yet people will find a way to make taxable income appear to be non-taxable. And it's so fast and so instantaneous over the internet and electronically that where I'm going with this is the entire global understanding of and philosophy of what money is is changing radically from a tangible dollar bill and pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters and quid and whatever to something else i haven't i don't carry cash i haven't carried cash in years and sometimes i wish i did i'd love to be able to just tip somebody two bucks I don't do I a do lot of valley parking. I, where I, but yeah. you, you see what I mean? Yeah, I do so, keep a little cash in my pocket for that. Well, some some astrologers up, are smarter than others. <laughs> you brought up a good point when you said, what is money going to be called? Like, is it money? The definition of money is changing. And my mind automatically went to China with the credit system, the ducats, so yes. to speak. And really, that's kind of like what electronic money is turning to in a different fashion versus China, uh, because that's on a social system. And, you know, how good of a citizen you are is how many credits you get and what you get to spend it on and where you get to go. Um, I can see that. A lot of our government, especially on these final moments of Pluto and Capricorn in our second house and the different things that are coming up in the news, pushing the United States to war toward a social credit system because they want the control. They want to control us and everything. Another excellent point, Kim, because this whole notion of control is based on a surveillance system in China that is unparalleled in the world. Every single thing you do, say, and where you go is surveilled. And that's how that system works. So you wonder, is that ultimately what is, if the world (coughs) philosophy of money from something tangible to something electronic becomes, pervades, then nobody has cash in their pockets anymore. It's like the horse and buggy. I have a bad habit that I've developed here lately. I t- 
tend to scroll through too many TikTok videos. <laughs> and this was one that I saw the other day that is exactly what you guys are talking about. This lady was saying that she was trying to figure out really this same question. How is this going to transact? How are we going to go from where we have a crisp dollar bill that we exchange for value to a digital currency? And her epiphany was it's not going to be money. You guys just said it, both of you. Money goes away. And what she said was, it becomes points. Think about that. There's your credit system. It also, Thomas, becomes the difference between having tangible assets versus virtual assets. Right. So that the basis of economies has always been intangible assets, land, for example. But what about a non-fungible token that's worth $1.2 million, you see, as an asset? And this is a gradual global shifting away from, I think, the old Capricorn paradigms into this Aquarian paradigm about money and value, And in a way, it presages an era where we are increasingly interconnected, even on trivial levels. Kim and I make a living through PayPal from people all over the world, which we would never be able to do without the Internet. We wouldn't have these clients and certainly not receiving these payments. So it's a fascinating shift as the world is increasingly interconnected electronically through the Internet. And you have to wonder about surveillance in all of this, because how is all of this tracked if in 15 seconds I can channel $1.2 million through 1,000 different umbrellas? How do you trace all that? You see, this becomes so, but this is where we're headed. And this is going to happen over the next 20 years through 2043. This radical shift in what economics and money are. And as it does, of course, we're going to have to make a shift between we're no longer local economies. We are global. And if you don't pay your bills in China, it affects shipping to uh, Portugal and so on. So everything is connected and it's going to become even more so. Kim, what Robert was just saying is right back in your lap. And let's go back 90 years to the Great Depression and that list of reforms we talked about. There was banking reform, security reform, social security reform, public works program, repeal of prohibition. All of these changes, and here we are again. Right. We're going to be going through huge reforms, and I see it in the United States Sibley chart. Because just think about this. When Pluto moves into Aquarius, we're looking at this equal house system. It'll take to the early 2030s. I want to say probably maybe 2031 or 32, that Pluto is going to enter the third house of Aquarius. It will be in Aquarius, but it will be entering the third house. So that's where I see a big shift happening. And Gemini rules the third house. So is this two different systems possibly? And then we have our natal moon, we meaning the United States, 
we have our natal moon in Aquarius. So are we detaching emotionally from what this material or ethereal thing that money is? Because we'll be, guess, maybe learning a new system or a new way of living and paying for things. Because Aquarius is new technology. It is sometimes so far out of our thinking mind. We can't even think of how vast this industry, you know, the direction that it can go in. But it will be something brand new. And I think the big shift occurs 2030s. This is an epiphany. So, Robert, you just were talking about the inconjunct to the cancer planets. This is something we haven't even talked about in the practicums yet. But, Kim, you just mentioned the equal house system. Aha. Next year, beginning next year, Pluto starts to dance that line across Capricorn Aquarius before it finally moves in in 24. In the second house of the equal house system, the one that Robert uses because it shows moles on your face, (laughs) it's going to hit the money first. The point that I was wanting to explore too, Thomas, exactly along those lines, because Kim has noted the uh, significance of the nodes in these economic areas throughout her work. And the first, one of the first things that transiting Pluto will do when it enters Aquarius, the first thing is to inconjunct Venus and then inconjunct Jupiter and immediately immediately conjunct the south node in Aquarius in the United States economy, the second house. So I'm curious, Kim, if you have any thoughts about that coming epical uh, transit of Pluto going over our south node as it inconjuncts those financial and cancerian planets, which to me are the basic security of the entire cancerian nation. Yeah, so that south node, I didn't even bring that up yet because my thoughts on south node, what are we excreting? What are we getting rid of? What is changing? Um, the south node it's where we came from the old pluto is going to cross over our natal south node and wipe out whatever it was that you know in that second house of money and security and just completely rearrange it and then we'll be pointing towards that north node in leo those are very daunting aspects I know. <laughs> and as I know. we have I try as, to be optimistic. Well, I do too, and it's hard. I mean, look, on a metaphysical level, of course I'm optimistic. But the fact is that we all die, and everybody tends to think that's a horrible thing. I don't, but a lot of people do. They think death is, oh, well, that's that's it. That's the worst that can happen. So we fight to stay alive, and we get all – but things die. And at the same time, of course, we know through experience and as metaphysicians that we don't die, that we do transform. That fabulous cliche favored by every astrologer, transformation. So that as things die, new things are simultaneously being reborn, just as new forms of government, new attitudes about money, new attitudes about security. So instead of having a Cancerian attitude about security, which is incredibly tribal, 
totally emotional and totally based on the security fundamentally of the family, my family, my spouse and children. That's all very Cancerian. And extended from that, then, well, my little towns, all of our families, we're the ones to circle the wagons and protect. And you extend that, well, my state this fabulous state that I live in. Let's circle the wagons to protect. Well, now we have the United States. So now it's not just my family, it's the nation as a whole that is embodied in the Cancerian symbol, but it is still tribal, it is still irrational, it is gut level based, it's emotional based, and suddenly now Pluto going into Aquarius demands, you know, it really isn't about your family. It's about a family in Tibet, and another family in Guam, and another family over. In fact, it's the world. And this is the shift, I think, <clears throat> that we are beginning to realize. Spending money on protecting my family, or my state, or my nation, versus helping out yours, that's what's dying. Because the world is more and more and more interdependent. All business is conducted via satellite and internet, mainly cable. Uh, connection. So it's all done through the ethers. And we can see the global effects of, of COVID on international shipping that affects uh, the assemblage of parts for a car, for example, they come from 28 different countries. So we're beginning to become, I think, more aware of this collective idea of security, as opposed to the old tribal ideas of security. So the old tribal paradigms of governing and of religions are also dying under this transit and being replaced simultaneously by something else, something greater, something more collective, I think. Is this making sense? It totally makes sense, um, you know, with the South Node in Aquarius. It's becoming something where we are all connected by. And I don't think it's going to be that easy or pleasant because Pluto coming over that South Node in Aquarius, it feels a little warlike in a sense. And we may have to go through that for the reform similar to what we went through after the Great Depression. But, well, I totally agree because Pluto rules extremes. I know. Extremes. And, you know, Aquarius likes to blow things up. <laughs> I wanted to ask you to wrap this up. How are you applying this now? So we bring all of this forward. Here we are again. Last year, 2021, and just Recently, before we recorded this in the first 12 days of October, here we were again with Saturn and Uranus square to each other. And we have the nodes in Taurus. We have the 90-year correlation back to the Great Depression. You are in the housing industry. That industry is starting to quiver as the interest rates have gone up. You look at the astrology. You look at your career. How are you putting those two together now? I am a little bit panicked, even though I'm in a good niche in my industry. Like I said earlier, the pool is very shallow. The opportunities are very slim, few and far between. I know that the feds are going to raise rates if they haven't already. 
um, at this point in the day, another 75 bips. I foresee rates going hitting 8%, maybe a little higher, by the first quarter of 2023. Housing prices, maybe they are coming down a little bit in some areas, but they really aren't. I mean, at least in my area, they are remaining high and stable. It pushes a lot of home buyers out of that market. Um, there are talks about my place of employment even remaining past first quarter of next year, completely being wiped out. So that's where I get a little nervous um, because the volume just is not there. You know, a lot of banks, they rely on refinance mortgages as their bread and butter. Purchases will always be there, but, you know, if you only have a hundred purchases in a given area and you have 200 mortgage bankers, I'm just using an example. It's probably 10 times that amount. Everybody's fighting for that deal, but you really can't do a whole lot with the interest rates because they are controlled by the feds. And the way that it works is a bank has to sell those loans back to the federal government in order to make money to lend out to the next person. So it's all controlled by the feds and they've got the mortgage and housing industry backed into a corner. And although it won't have the implosion that the 2008-2007 era did, it will, you, we will start to see mortgage bankers going bye-bye. So I was going to ask you that. So yeah. do you see a correlation to what happened then? Well, that was a crazy time. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Too Big to Fail about the six major banks yes. in the United States. I was living through that. And I, I was seeing it uh, because I'm coming at it from a compliance and quality point of view. The creative financing that began in the 90s, subprime financing, that really opened things up. But we can't do that anymore. We can't lend 125, 150% of a person's home value because we are going into a recession. People are losing their jobs. Uh, the economy, the inflation is just so crazy that people can't pay these loans back. But mortgage companies, there was a website called the Implosion Meter, and it listed every single mortgage banking company and bank on the website. And you could, you could watch it blow up online as they were going down through that 2007-2008 crisis. Um, I don't, it won't be that bad. A lot of companies have gone down and it's interesting because I'm not hearing it in the news. I'm not seeing it in the media. Why are they not talking about these things? Because a lot of companies that have been around for decades, they're gone. Those people, no jobs, and it's knocking on my door. It's just around the corner. Yeah. I want to add something, Thomas, before we conclude today, and this is something we have not talked about and nobody is talking about, 
and it's the biggest issue out there. I just this week was fascinated to read uh, an article that was an interview with a French astronaut, Thomas Piquet. And he's done two tours up there now. He was aboard the International Space Station, two tours. And he talks about the astonishing beauty of, of the Earth. And it was during this last mission, which ended in November, I think, of last year. And he took during that mission over 245,000 photos. And it was fascinating because he said that because of the speed of the uh, space station, we are never over the same location at the same time of day ever. So he got photos of rivers and oceans and deserts and mountains and all of it. And he also captured what he called images of a world in a state of degradation because he could see what he called the sinister spectacle of hurricanes, tornadoes, and fires that stormed across the planet. And he said he felt helpless as a witness to the carnage. He says, what struck me most were the fires. We could see the flames and smoke very clearly, he said, which gave him the impression of the end of the world. Parts of Southern Europe, British Columbia, and California were consumed little by little in a blanket of smoke. And he said, I could see the difference in just four years. Yeah. Mother Gaia always has a way of resetting yes, herself. Yes, yes, Cam, this has been amazing. I am honestly sitting here listening to this thinking this is probably one of the best collections of current status, both astrologically and just practically, that you could put together. So thank you for sharing your thoughts and stimulating this wonderful conversation. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This was really a lot of fun. Robert, do you have anything you'd like to add? Just yes, as a conclusion? I just want to say thank you again to Kim. I've thanked her in the practicums uh, already, and she knows this. But just for the listeners, Kim has, has contributed and still does so much to these practicums with this unique combination of her astrological expertise and her background in finance so it's she's always an, a rich treasure in these these practicums and i really appreciate her coming on these podcasts yeah thank you both this has been incredible all right we have i want to tell you about our discord channel this will be on youtube it, there's a special now playlist on youtube the link for that is in the show notes if you didn't catch it at the very beginning when we said the charts that we've talked about today and the collateral materials are in the show notes for you to download so you can follow along. And we have our Discord channel link in there. Robert's books are in there. So, and also the link for readings. So all the collection of things that you can get a hold of us and interact are there. Thank you so much again, both of you. We appreciate it. This has been incredible and we will see how it unfolds together. We'll be right here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. <music>